Welcome again to HarmonicaCast. It's Bob Kessler here on the podcast by a harmonica player for harmonica players, featuring conversations with great harp players and somebody really special this week. Well, everyone who's been on there has been special, but this guy in many ways is a really big deal, but you wouldn't know it if you talked to him. Mickey Raphael has been a part of Willie Nelson's band for more than 40 years now. And he's played all over the world. He's been a fixture with one of the great icons of American music. But when you sit down and talk to him, he couldn't be more human, more humble, more gracious, more down to earth. So that's this week's conversation. Mickey Raphael, I met up with him at the River Edge Park in Aurora. He was there with Willie Nelson and family playing a concert that night. So Mickey was kind enough to spend a bit of time with me in one of the hospitality trailers before the show started. It was a hot afternoon in June, and we had a nice chat. One thing, and I think a lot of you harp players are going to understand what he's talking about, but I wanted to mention, we talk about echo harps. So those are the harmonicas with double reeds. So when you blow into them, you activate two reeds that are slightly out of tune from one another, so you get that kind of accordion sound. Like that. So that's what we're talking about there just in case anyone didn't know. What does he mean by an echo harp? So now that you got that in your head, let's get to our conversation with Mickey Raphael here on HarmonaCast. Whiskey River don't run dry. You're all I got, take care of me. This is the hang time between getting off the bus and the show. You have about eight hours to... Yeah, eight hours to kill, just uh, either at the venue or in my hotel room, which I was ready to get out of. So. And what kind of stuff do you do? That, do you practice harmonica? Or well, I might, you know, uh, I've been listening to a lot of Oni Wheeler the last couple of days. I overheard you asking Joe Felisco about Oni yeah, Wheeler Yeah, I told him, find ago. me some, you know, find, get me some more recordings of him. So I was listening to Oni Wheeler, and, you know, I'll listen to it, get it in my head, and then I might put it, you know, put my headphones on and try to play along with him and just check out his style. Um, so that's a little bit of woodshedding. You know that I do. What attracted you or inspired you about Oni Wheeler's playing? You know, just the the purity of his tone, and it was just something different. You know, and I love it. Well, I got interested in his songwriting too and his singing, um, but I was just interested in what was going on in the fifties and sixties. You know, in country music, and I don't remember if Joe had mentioned him originally. If that's where I found out about him, but I loved his his style of playing. It's acoustic, you know, like I play, and. Um, you know, it, it was it was unique. I mean, it was. Uh, I, there's a lot uh, from him I can steal. Now, early on for you, I was reading, you were kind of more of a folk player, and then you hooked up with Willie, and then went in and learned country vocabulary. Is that is that an accurate? Yeah, because I didn't know anything about. I didn't grow up around country music, and grew up more in the folk scene, and living in Texas or in Dallas. There was a couple of great. Well, there was one great folk club called the Rubiot. And Jerry Jeff Walker would come through there, Michael Murphy, uh, Ray Wiley Hubbard. Um, I can't remember if Lightning Hopkins played there. Mance Lipscomb would, was a regular there. Um, this is so early, like, late 60s, early 70s? This is late 60s, late 60s, uh, mid-60s. Donnie Brooks, that's where I first saw Donnie Brooks, yeah. who was, I consider, my mentor. I mean, when I heard him play, that's when I was hooked and... Uh, Decided that's what I wanted to do. And he was in the Waylon Jennings band for a bit. And later, he came away. Yeah, he went to play with Waylon. And about the same time, I went with Willie. 
And when you met with Willie and first started playing with him, he he was kind of re- not reinventing, but he was kind of becoming the Willie we know now because he had been an established songwriter guy, kind of part of the Nashville system. And yeah, he'd and, left Nashville, yeah. moved to Texas. Or a lot of I turtlenecks there, and yeah, sort of and loosened up. When I first went to work with them, they they had all the band uniforms, which were brocade, different color brocade, tux, uh, not tuxedo jackets, and also Nehru shirts. That's what I came to work with, but I, we didn't wear those. So at the point I was actually playing with them, it was jeans and t-shirts because you know, a lot of places we'd be playing were pretty, some pretty funky dives. And uh, you know he'd left that whole Nashville scene to do what he wanted to do in Texas. And I had been playing with uh, B.W. Stevenson at the time. And uh, you know when I met Willie. So you know when I did meet Willie and started playing with him, I did a crash course in country music, you know, just going back and listening to everybody I could. But of course, Charlie McCoy, you know, was the benchmark for harmonica playing. I heard an interview with him once and he said, I think there was a gig that you missed with Willie for some reason, maybe you were sick or something, and Charlie McCoy played it. And he said, he, only you can play like you. He said, he, you know, playing underneath Willie's vocals. And so Charlie had to find his own way into the tunes. Yeah, it was, he, I talked to him the other day. He was telling me that story. He said he had new respect for my yeah. playing or perseverance. Was it always like that for you and Willie, that chemistry thing that, you, that has developed over the years? But did you know about it early on? No, I didn't know anything. I, I still don't know how to play with him. It's still <laughs> hit and miss as far as I'm I still don't know what to play on Whiskey River. Because um, he's totally unpredictable. Yeah. You know, these are some pretty simple songs to play, but his timing is so unique and kind of in the moment. You really have to keep one eye on him all the time. But it's truly an organic kind yes, of Yes, very organic. And, and it constantly changes. And I mean, we can rehearse something in the afternoon and you can bet that it's not going to be like that come the evening show. And so... Is that what keeps it interesting for you after low these many years? It's been what, 40? 43 years. 43 years. Yeah, it is interesting because I never would know what he's going to do. And I'm a fan of his for one. So I get to stand next to him and hear him play, yeah. you know, these great guitar licks every night. And uh, so, yeah, it's challenging. Be- well, one good thing is, is that I'm not the bass player. I don't have to play, you know, every note all the way through yeah. the song. So I can pick and choose my spots. But um, it, it, it is challenging because it, it's different. It's like playing a new song every night. Yeah. But with you, I always know it's you. I can recognize you're playing, but I don't hear you going back to like the same licks again and again. You're always kind of changing it up, even though, like you're saying, they're simple songs. That, that seems to be one thing that I enjoy about your playing is that it's, it's always colorful. Yeah, because I just try to reflect on what, what I hear from Willie. Um, and I can't remember... What I just played, so I try not to repeat myself. Songs that like makes Georgia. It easy. If you don't remember, then yeah, you don't yeah, know if you did or didn't. I, yeah, I couldn't remember it anyway. If I played a lick and you said, "Can I hear that again?" It's like I don't, I don't think so. Um, uh, when I play Georgia, I mean that's one song where I play the melody, so there's not much. I don't stray too much from the the, the melody of that song on my solos, but everything else is just kind of stream of consciousness. I could play one note, although you know, just hold one note. I mean, there's no. There's no rules playing with him. I have a feeling the answer is no, but I'm curious. Is it something you talked about with him? You know, this is how we're going to go about it, or this just kind of organically grew over these 43 years? No, we ne- he never discussed anything. He would never tell anybody what to play. The, the, the only thing discussed is probably when 
to play. Yeah. And then at that point, it's every man for himself. Yeah, yeah, or woman. That, that's right. Band. Yeah. I mean, and the band is Willie Nelson and family. I mean, his sister is in the band, but I've always gotten the feeling that there's a family atmosphere among the band members, whether you're yeah, it blood is. relatives or not. We've been together so long. I mean, yeah. we've been, this band's been together than everybody's own personal families, really. Yeah. So it is kind of a family unit, and he's always liked that, uh, you know, having that kind of communication between yeah. everybody. But is it, are some nights just harder than others just because, just like any family relationship, sometimes you don't feel like dealing with your family, but it's a concert and you have to. Yeah, I mean, we travel a lot. We don't travel as much as we used to, but we're spread out a little bit now. We have two, with three tour buses, so we're not, it's not like everybody's on one bus. We're not on top of each other. Yeah. I can, as you see today, I haven't seen anybody. And I can kind of, I try to keep to myself. Yeah. Um, I mean, just survival through the day. I have a, a road bike out here. So if I want to go for a bike ride, I do. And, um, you know, we're just kind of, the, the guys just aren't underfoot. We have, everybody kind of goes their separate ways and tries to make their own little, carve out their own little piece of uh, privacy here on the road in small, in, you know, tight quarters. Yeah. And did that take a while, a good five, ten years to figure out to get into the groove of the road? Because it can be really hard. I mean, people think it's really glamorous, but a lot of people I know who do a lot of road work, they, it can be challenging. It's challenging. I mean, it got to the point where Willie could afford to, uh, a bus. First, we used to take our own cars, and we had like a Winnebago kind of thing. Um, and, and then we had a bus, and then as he made a little more money, we had two buses. And as he made a little more money, we had three buses. So, you know, we kind of spread out. A bit, so it's you have to just you know some of the guys like hanging in a group. In a group, I yeah. particularly like to get away, and I'm happy to see everybody when I see them. But you know, even though we're on, I mean, I'm the first one to go to sleep after the show, so I'm the first one in my bunk, and I'm the first one up. So yeah. there's nobody in the bunk space when I go to sleep, and there's nobody in the front of the bus when I wake up because our hours are different. What time you get up? So you're the morning person. Yeah, this morning I slept in, cause, uh, but you know I, I'm up at seven o'clock. So you, that really isn't for a music for a lot of musicians. That's some kind of ungodly. Yeah. Hour or if we get out. in, if we get to a hotel yeah. at six thirty, I might wake up then. I wake up when the bus stops rolling. Yeah, you just know. So yeah, you've you've also become accustomed to sleeping on the bus. I know. A lot yeah, of I sleep pretty well yeah. on, the, on the bus. It kind of rocks me to sleep. But I like. I, I mean, as soon as the show's over, I go right back to my bunk and either. You know, listen to music or read or something, yeah. you know, and, it, and, and once the bus starts rolling, it puts me right to sleep. We're talking about Oni Wheeler. So you're going to go maybe woodshed that. Is that the type of thing you'll incorporate some of, of his ideas into your playing? Maybe I don't know. I might, but I have the freedom to with Willie. And if it doesn't work, I can try it out during a show. And if I make a mistake or it, 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 it's, it, it was a bad choice, it doesn't matter with Willie. Yeah. I can experiment. And that's a, it's a great proving ground. Because a lot of times I'll try, or there are times where I'll try something and it doesn't work. But, you know, that, that took 20 seconds and it's no, you can't hear it anymore. It's yeah. gone. So I might, but I really might get try a lick and just beat it to death during a show, you know, and, uh, you know, just to see if it works. And the audiences for Willie's concert and Willie in general, they, I think they're kind of maybe included in that family idea, would you say? Mm -hmm. They're, they're yeah. along with you. Yeah, I yeah. Think. We have great audiences. They're very loyal. And, uh, you know, they're just happy we're showing up, I think. I mean, they seem just so happy that to, to hear the music. They, they love the song so much. I mean, you and all the others have been such a fixture with Willie's career, like almost inseparable, I would say. Yeah, and, and you know, people tell me that their grandparents 
you know, brought them to see Willie yeah. the first time when they were kids, and now they're bringing their kids right. to see us. Well, I have friends that are kind of all ages and genders and musical sensibilities, and it was hard to pick which one will be my plus one for tonight. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, his music truly does cross, transcends the whole genre, age, mm -hmm. gender, kind of everything. And is that what you've noticed in the audience every night you go out and see? All these, yeah, I see all people. kinds of, yeah, you know, all kinds of different ages and and, yeah. and definitely diverse, yeah, you know, people from all walks of life. Love is like a dying ember, and only memories remain. Now, when did you get into playing the the echo harps? Get that accordion thing. I know going. exactly when I did. I was in, I went to Nashville with Willis Allen Ramsey for a recording session, and we were at Quadraphonic Studios, and this was 72. And across the hall from us, Neil Young was recording Harvest. And in the other studio, Eric Anderson was recording the album Blue. And, you know, I'd met some of the guys hanging around, and Eric turned me on to the Echo Harp, which he plays on that record. Yeah. And I just fell in love with it, and I've been using it ever since as a pad. Because a, harmonica, a little harmonica can go a long way. And I'm in a band now where I really play. I mean, there's a lot of space for playing, and I didn't want to just play licks all the time. So I used that echo harp as a pad, you know, yeah. just kind of underlying, just for coloring, just to kind of color the song. And there's not a lot of movement and not a lot of drama with the harmonic, with that particular harmonica. Yeah. So definitely Eric Anderson turned me on to that. Because the times I've incorporated it, it can be kind of unforgiving because there's no bending. You know, it's, it, the layout is pretty much the same as a standard, you know, Richter tuning. But sometimes if you hit the wrong note, you're kind of like, oh, you know, oh shit. Well, you know, Bob, don't hit the wrong note. Okay, then. <laughs> Just don't do it. That's right. <laughs> well, no, if you hit the wrong note, Hit it again, because then it doesn't sound like a mistake. This is good advice. And you play chromatic on a few numbers, Very little, too. yeah. There's one song, uh, um, this up-tempo song Willie does in the show uh, called uh, Shoeshine Man. That I, it's in the key of G, so there's not, you know, there's only one, you know, the, the, I only use a slide on, you know, on the F sharp. Yeah. So it's, and, and I feel real comfortable with that, but I yeah. I've really haven't put the time into that instrument, but I love the tone that I get on it. And how have you noticed harp technology design? I mean, it's evolved a lot, especially in recent years, but you've been a player kind of, what, for 40 plus years now, right? Mm -hmm. Playing with Willie, but have you noticed an evolution in the way the harps play? And is... I think the harp players are becoming a little more demanding now. I mean, you've got, you know, I always played Honer harps, but Lee Oscar, who's a great player, you know, just wanted something more specific and got his own company and his own design yeah. and came up with these great tunings or at least made them available in his harmonicas. So it, it pushes, you know, people to, uh, to not be so lazy, I think. I mean, there's a little more competition out there uh, with harmonica companies. And I think it's great. And with the customizers, too, with Joe Felisco, yeah. who I think was the first one to start really spending the time to uh you know put put time figure out how these things work and how to make them better i mean he's really revolutionized the uh the harmonica and now it's it's, it's no longer i think thought of as a a toy i mean it can be a real 
you know, a real instrument. There's more players playing more, for lack of a better term, like seriously now than there ever have been. And I think the internet has a lot to do with that too. Yeah, it was some great teaching. Like people yeah. ask me, can you teach? And it's like, no, I don't, first off, I don't have the patience and I don't know what I do, so I'm not a good teacher. Um, but there's some great stuff online. Jason Ritchie is a brilliant player and a great teacher. And I go to his site and look at stuff, you know, that he does all the time. And uh, also when you were talking about a few minutes ago, that other question, I wanted to mention Howard Levy, you know, who has perfected the overblow technique that is pretty amazing. Um, and uh, I mean, I don't think anybody does it like he does too. But, uh, you know, the, the harmonica's really, really kind of opened up as a more versatile instrument. And you've had all these years honing what you don't know that you do with Willie. You're great playing, though. It sounds great, so it is great. But you've also had an extensive experience doing studio work. Yeah, I've been which real is kind lucky. Of, it's a different mindset, isn't it, to, to be in a studio versus the live situation? Yeah, because the studio, what you play is there. It's set in stone. So you really have to do it right pretty quickly. You know, be alive, I can make all kinds of mistakes and nobody really notices except maybe another player. In the studio, it's magnified a thousand times and it stays with you. You know, there, I'm trying to, th there, I'm sure there's some recordings out there where I knew a lot less of what I know now. And, uh, you know, it, it kind of, it's not stuff, uh, I can't think of anything that comes to mind now, but I'm sure there's stuff out there when I was beginning in, in, in the studio that I wasn't real proud of, yeah. you know, that I was pretty naive. I was either playing way too much or um, just made some bad choices now. Who's left that you still want to play with in the studio? You've done so much of it. I mean, everybody, Vince Gill, and I heard you on the Emmylou Harris, Ronnie Crowell record. I mean, it would take a half hour to go through your entire, your entire list of who you've played with in the studio. Motley Crue, is that yeah, one? Yeah, smoking in the boys' room. Yeah, Kermit the Frog. Kermit the Frog, that's right. <laughs> I heard he's a bit of a diva. He is a diva. Yeah. She is a diva. She. He. No, it was Miss Piggy, that's right. Yeah, and I, I, I still don't think they, I still think he owes me money. On that. Kermit does? I think, I think Kermit does, yeah, yeah. He kept saying, you know, my people will call your people, you know, so. He wouldn't say my amphibians will call yeah, your amphibians. Yeah, your amphibians, yes, yeah. But is there anybody that you you just love to record with that you just really anybody? I love I love to record. I yeah. love being in the studio. And is there as much of that going on now? Just because the value of recorded music has shifted over the years, wouldn't you say? I mean, the studio system in Nashville's changed, and and has that shifted in your career? Well, I never did a ton of sessions anyway, so yeah. I still get you know a, a handful of sessions that, and they're always. I, always fun to do. I just played on Aaron Lewis's record. Uh, I haven't even heard that yet. And, uh, you know, I do some, on, on the country stuff, some of Kenny Chesney's work. And, uh, you know, Buddy Cannon, our producer, also produces a lot of other country acts. So he uses me. And I played on Chris Stapleton's, uh, you know, last record. So I want to talk about the American Masters thing, but there was a guy that appeared in it, since we're talking studio, Don Was, mm -hmm. who produced some of the Highwaymen recordings. Anything in particular you learned about recording or music from that guy? He just seems like he's a real kind of guru type Yeah, he was a great musician. and One of his great tricks was putting together the right players 
which I think is a trick, is a great thing, a smart thing of any producer. Put together the right players that communicate well with each other, and you really don't have to ever say anything in the studio. You know, and Don's strength was putting, you know, picking the right players and then picking songs. And you'd basically just have to deal with the principal, you know, with the singer, the star, and the band itself. You know, studio guys take care of themselves. I love that album. I think he produced it. It's, it's where Willie Nelson does Jamaican music. Oh, yeah. I think you're on. Mm-hmm. I, the one I'm thinking of is... Um, yeah, there's only one. That's, uh, and you're playing echo harp. Yeah. The harder they come, the harder they fall. Mm-hmm. That's a great recording. Yeah, I don't know why we got into that. But there were, for some reason, we were going through a, a reggae phase, and, uh, and I don't remember what uh, inspired that, but they were just trying to take, see, see how Willie's music would work with that beat. Yeah. Oh, I think he was, maybe he'd done something with Toots. Toots and the Maytals, and Toots said that they had learned country music, learned about country music listening to the radio, listening to the Grand Ole Opry in Jamaica, and they had these terrible little radios, and they couldn't really hear the bass, you know, so uh, they were just hearing, I guess, that backbeat, you know, and, um, you know, that that really inspired them. Amazing. It's cool how things come together like Mm -hmm. that, you know, through through the medium of broadcasting. The harder they come, the harder they fall, one and all. Brian Eno, you got to work with that guy. Kind of in an off way. Um, well, we did. We were in Ireland, and Bono had written a song for Willie. And Willie and I were over there at their studio to have dinner one night. And Bono says, well, I wrote this song for you. I really wanted you to record, and Willie says, well, any time, so they said, well, let's go downstairs and, and cut it, and we did, and then later, I think they, you know, worked on, okay. worked his magic on it, but at that time, it was just myself and Willie and, uh, you know, and, the, and, and Bono and The Edge and Adam and uh, Larry. So you didn't take any specific direction from, from Brian Eno? No, 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 he yeah. wasn't, I'd never yeah. met him. Now... You yourself have been a producer. You're telling me before this that you produced the Highwaymen box set. Yeah, there's a box set that just came out, and it's a DVD of a show in Nassau Coliseum. So we remixed that. That was transferred to HD, so it looks really beautiful. And I remixed the whole show in uh, surround. And then we remixed it again for a two-CD audio set. And then there's another CD that's some live stuff from Farm Aid concerts, and then one new song that was, I found some outtakes, some, some uh, recordings of Willie, uh, of Waylon and Johnny uh, doing this Dylan song, uh, One Too Many Mornings. And I thought this would be a great song for the Highwaymen to do, but they weren't together at the time. I think the, this track was cut in the 70s. So I got the, uh, I got the sessions, and I found a couple of takes that were early on in the session and weren't used. That they had, nobody's ever heard these. So I cut two of them together to make one complete mistake-free track, and then added. Uh, it already had Willie. It already had Waylon and Johnny on it. And then I recorded Chris and Willie, and Willie's guitar. Cool. You know, doing a verse each, and so it's uh, kind of a brand new Highwaymen tune. So it's a little bit like when the Beatles went back and found old stuff and added on to it possibly yeah, so yeah. yeah that pbs special on american masters about the highwaymen i just watched it that was amazing i mean and they you're they use you a lot you you're in it quite a bit there were what 30 some members of that band but 
Was oh, it but the band? No, no, no. There was only 10 members in the band. Oh, okay. Maybe they were talking about the entourage that went. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because everybody yeah. brought their families and stuff like that. Probably 60 people total. But uh, did you remember it better than some of the other band members? Or well, I was just around. Well, yeah. no, I was, I was, yeah, maybe. I mean, as far as talking to the band members, I don't know. Um, some of the guys may not have been available, but yeah. I was in New York, and that's where they were doing the, uh, the interviews. Oh, and, I, and I was still in the middle of the uh, Highwaymen. I just finished up the Highwaymen project. So, you know, the guys that were doing the PBS special, we were all still, you know, working yeah. to get, you know, on the same project. And if you get four huge stars together in a super group, I mean, sometimes it might not work. You know, the egos may clash too much. But I think the thing that I took away from that show was just it said a lot about those four guys. Johnny Cash, Willie mm-hmm. Nelson, Chris Christopherson, Waylon Jennings, is who they were as people that they were able to... They're kind of four distinct personalities, and they talk about that, but they were able to, to really come together and do something that was, I guess you could say, it's a cliche, but the whole is greater than the sum of its parts, and each individual part's already so huge. Mm-hmm. You know? And they were fans of each other. So, you know, I'd be on stage and watching Waylon, watching Willie play guitar. You know, you could see that they both, they all admired each other's, uh, you know, music sensibilities. So it's a great mix. I mean, they were... That they would work together, and you know, Willie and, and Chris would sing a duet, and then Johnny and Waylon would do one. So, you know, and then each of them would do a solo, you know, by themselves. So it was a great mix, mash of, uh, of these four guys' talent. And was it a challenge for you then to adapt? I mean, you'd been playing with Willie for a while, and you guys had your chemistry, but then you had to add these other big. Names no, I always wanted to play with Waylon. Actually, I played yeah. more with Waylon on that tour than I did on Willie's songs. Hmm. Um, and it just kind of evolved. Well, the, the songs that we had recorded, the, high, the actual Highwaymen songs that were part of that live show, we played just like the record. So whatever I played on the record, yeah. I just copied. As far as individual songs, you know, Johnny wanted to play Orange Blossom Special, which was, uh, you know, a nightmare for me. He would start it off, and then I would pick it up, and then he'd get faster and faster and faster and on it. I think it was just as a, a joke, you know, to kind of trip me up. But, um, you know, I would do that and, uh, um, you know, Ring of Fire, I would play the, uh, the horn part mm-hmm. with the keyboards, you know, and then Waylon's stuff, I would play solos on uh, Trouble Man and, you know, some other things that I'd always love of his that I didn't play, you know, that I obviously didn't play, you know, until I got with this band. This good-hearted woman in love with a good-timing man. Chris Christopherson's on the bill tonight. Are you going to play with him? No. No, Chris is... No, because Chris plays a little harmonica himself. And he's backed up by the Strangers, by Merle Haggard's band. So he's got, they've got some great players okay. in that band. So he'll, he'll, but I did bring him a couple of Marine bands for his birthday. Mm-hmm. He just turned 80 a couple of days wow. ago. What an amazing life he's lived. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Just incredible. I mean, he's like an Oscar winner and a Rhodes Scholar and, a, you know, what did he, helicopter pilot. Oh, yeah, and he's a mm-hmm. mega-selling country star, by the way, who wrote all these great songs. So you mentioned cycling. What else do you do? Well, let's talk about that. Is that something you do? Is it a source of inspiration and balance in your life? You know, it's not music, but is it? Yeah, it's a, just a meditative state, you know, and, it, and plus exercise. I'm, I wasn't an athlete. I'm not good at any sports. But uh, I love road biking, and Nashville's a great place to ride. Oh, and I have a bike I keep on the bus. So, 
Well, you're in good shape. I mean, it could be easy if you do a lot of road stuff to just like too many hot dogs and not enough salad. And next thing you know, you know, there's... I know. That's why I was mad today that all I had were hot dogs, you know. Of course, I felt obligated to eat them, too. I saw you eating salad, though. I do eat so, salad, yeah. yeah. I try to eat really <laughs> healthy. But, I mean, it served you well. You, you look really fit to me. Well, thanks. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm 65 years old, 64. So I've got to, you know, to do this is, is a... I mean, this is a job for a 22-year-old. Right. You know, it's hard to be out here doing this. So you've got to keep moving. You've got to keep exercising. And, you know, I try to go to a gym or work out when I'm at home. But that's, you know, that's hard here. But it's not that tough to just get on the bike and go. And home's Nashville for you, yes. right? How often are you at home versus on the road? Well, we're only working about seven or eight days a month with uh, Willie now. And yeah. I've been going out with uh, doing some dates with Chris Stapleton when I'm... You know, nice. not with Willie, but I'm really enjoying being at home because we used to tour. We used to do 130 cities a year, and now we're maybe down to 90. Still pretty rigorous, though. Not, it is, not yeah. A small yeah. affair. Great, and every night's different and interesting. Every show's and, different, you know. Of all the tunes that you play, maybe this is asking like, this is your, what's your favorite child? But is there a favorite Willie Nelson song? I have a favorite child too. Okay. As a matter of fact. Um, Favorite Willie song. I like this song. Uh, the song he says that I never, it's called I Never Cared for You. And I really just play, it's in a minor key and I just play a rhythm thing. It's like a Latin beat. And it's fun just to play the rhythm on the harp. So I'm not really playing any single notes. Oh, and we do Summertime too, which uh, was from a, a recent album of Gershwin songs, which actually for Willie was the number one, it was number one jazz yeah. record. So, so playing. You know, and uh, playing those, uh, playing summertime is fun. Why don't we play out with summertime? Okay. Summertime. If the living is easy, if the fish are jumping and the cotton is high, and your daddy. Don't you cry. Well, thanks again, Mickey, for taking the time between pulling into town and going for the bike ride here on this June afternoon out in Aurora, Illinois. Been great chatting with you. Thank you. All right, there he is, the great Mickey Raphael, joining us on Harmonicast, one of my musical heroes, and such a joy to talk to him. Told you we'd get somebody big last time. and Well, big in accomplishment, big in profile, personality, couldn't be more approachable and easy to talk to. So thanks again for Mickey for taking that time. Stick around for the next one. Not sure who it'll be, but I'll let you know. You can follow me. I'm on Facebook, Bob Kessler. You can always check these other episodes out at bobkesslerharmonica.com, also on iTunes, and now on WGN+. So keep the faith. Happy harping, and thanks for listening to Harmonicast.